from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 virus is impacting all parts of the hospitality industry, as well as to provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. Today, I'm talking with James McLaughlin, CEO of Intelligentsia Coffee. James, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I'm so happy to be here talking to you. So before we get into everything with the business, how are you doing personally? I, like everyone else, am adjusting to a brand new life. Uh, I have an eight-year-old that is doing e-learning. My wife and I are both trying to figure out how we can work and support her and um, just getting used to a lot of staying at home. (sighs) We all are. (laughs) It's it's the weirdest. I mean, I will say I've probably consumed more coffee and alcohol than I ever have before. Not at the same time, Yeah, um, but I... (laughs) I mean, I think there's, I used to be like a one cup in the morning person. And Uh then maybe I would like treat myself in the afternoon. I'd go get like a, either espresso or some sort of espresso based drink somewhere in the neighborhood where our offices actually exist. Although I have not seen them in two months. Yeah. Um, And now it's like, no man, like, let's just go all day. I'm right there with you. I, I'm also kind of a one cup a day guy in the morning. And uh, I, I generally have a like two o'clock cutoff so I can sleep at night. But yeah, uh, man, I've been drinking a lot more coffee and tea uh, the past few weeks. <laughs> That's crazy. So um, can you give us an idea of like sort of how your business, first of all, just a, a broader picture of Intelligentsia Coffee in general. I mean, for those that aren't aware of you, I mean, I've you're one of my favorite coffee producers. I discovered you, God, I think like in 2000 and like 10 or 11, I went to your location in LA, mm. uh, in like Silver Lake. Yeah. Um, and it was like one of the coolest, it was like, still, we know New York didn't have a lot of cool coffee shops. Like we yeah. had some, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, it was just awesome. And you guys weren't here yet. Right. So, but I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who do know who you are, but just in case, if you could give an overview of the coffee company, um, and then sort of, you know, how you guys are adapting now in this current landscape. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you. Um, I, I, I'm glad to hear that you had great experiences at our coffee bars. Um, we've been around for 25 years. We're actually celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. Oh, wow. Um, we started as a, you know, a roaster uh, cafe in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago. And really, we have a different point of view than a lot of other companies on, on coffee. We really believe that coffee is a can and it should be a culinary experience. Um, there's so many amazing origins and flavor notes in different coffees. And we do our best to present that to the world and get people to appreciate um, the nuances of a cup of coffee. Like you can enjoy a, a phenomenal glass of wine. Um, And so today we operate um, 15 coffee bars in Chicago, LA, New York, Boston, and Austin, Texas. We also uh, have an e-com business. We sell coffee um, to restaurants and hotels. um, And then we also sell coffee into grocery stores, you know, Whole Foods, Mariano's in Chicago, Wegmans, um, a lot of great partners all over the U.S. Um, But I think one of the things that makes us different than a lot of other coffee companies is this idea that there's a culinary experience. And then also all of the work that we do with farmers at origin. Um, It was like 15 years ago that we pioneered what is now very common in the industry and it's called direct trade, but it's working directly with farmers, creating the right um, pricing 
models so that the farmers can invest in their farms and produce higher quality coffee. Um, and, and that's been sort of one of the key foundational pieces of our DNA, which is quality, direct trade, um, and creating the unique experience that you saw in Silver Lake. Um, we love to build beautiful coffee bars and create a place where people can come together and enjoy beautiful coffee, get together with friends or family, and just hang out. So um, that's a little bit about us. And then how has your business adjusted since – so you have obviously – the coffee bars are not operational at this point. I also know at least – correct me if I'm wrong. We, I've seen a lot of coffee bars, at least in New York, that, that use your coffee at their mm-hmm. coffee bar. Yep. So you have a lot of those customers that you're now not supplying. Right. Um, what were the adjustments that you made since the quarantine kind of hit? How is it impacting your business and, and what are you doing to sort of pivot and change? Yeah. I mean, like so many people in the hospitality business, this has been just so, so challenging. Um, We closed all of our coffee bars on March 17th. And, you know, all of our customers that serve coffee, the cafes in New York, the hotels in uh, Chicago, the restaurants all over the United States, like they're closed as well. And so a huge chunk of our business is basically at a standstill. But what's been really interesting, Adam, is that we've seen this massive shift away from um, going out for coffee and into home consumption. So our e-commerce business has been the busiest it's ever seen. I mean, we, we're we doing more orders every day than we did on Cyber Monday the past few years. That's crazy. Which is insane. And then the other part of our business that, we, that has really, really been just flying also is just the grocery stores. I mean, you know, all of us know how challenging it is to get stuff delivered to your house and go in and the shelves are empty. Um, and people are just enjoying coffee at home, which is, which has been great. Um, and we've really been kind of pivoting, focusing on at home consumption and what are the ways that we can create, um, make people excited and have some fun. I mean, it's so, there's so much doom and gloom in the world these days. And if we can provide a bright spot to both of us who are drinking a lot more coffee than usual, um, and then also create some fun educational opportunities. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing, Adam, is uh, something called IntelliCelly. And there's a phone number that any customer can call um, during the day. And one of our educators, which is kind of like a super barista, will answer the phone and you can talk to them about the coffee that you bought, how to dial it in, different brew methods. And this idea of just let's have fun with coffee. Let's enjoy it. Like we, we think it's phenomenal and it's amazing. But what can we do to create some, some fun for people? That's awesome. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so in terms of, so you're obviously interacting with um, the consumers in home and that's amazing to hear that uh, the sales are doing well on that front. What have you done in terms of adjusting for that change in demand from the restaurants and the coffee bars? Um, are, are you working with those former customers? Are there things that you're trying to do to support them, to help them and get ready for when they reopen? Uh, and sort of what are you hearing from them about what they're thinking right now? Yes. Answer to all those questions is yes. Um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've been, um, we've been doing everything we can to, to help a lot of, uh, a lot of the independent cafes and restaurants with everything from, from literally how do you take advantage of the PPP loan program? Um, trying to give people the information that they have on that, share the experiences that we had closing coffee bars. Um, you know, there's a lot of, how we thought through that process and a lot of our partners have, have had to make the same decision. So there's that piece. And then, you know, all the way down to the really kind of minutia, which is just, 
hey, when you close a coffee bar, you have a bunch of equipment that you got to take care of so that when you come back in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is, it's it's still operable and, and working that way. And so our technical department has been providing a lot of guidance to the cafes on this is the best practices when you do this. And then the other thing that we've been sharing is just the the trying to create a network with our partners about what is working. I mean, a lot of a handful, not a lot, but a handful of our customers are still open. And guess what's selling a lot of 12 ounce bags of coffee. And that makes perfect sense because they want to take it home. And so how do we create programs for our customers or, or encourage them to take that because we, we've, we're seeing it's working with other people. So, so those are some of the examples of the stuff that we're doing. We're constantly talking to them, f- figuring out when they want to reopen, how we can help them and support them. I would say that it's really a mixed bag, um, Adam, in terms of when customers want to open, and it's really city by city. So, you know, based on the stay-at-home orders, some people want to open sooner, some later. Last weekend, we did a we popped up our one of our LA coffee bars, the Silver Lake location that you went to, and and another one in Boston, and and just kind of tested it out. And you know, we're we're operating this brand new world where people want to. I think people want to go out, right? Everyone everyone's itching to go out, but they also want to do it in a way that's safe and makes them feel comfortable. And that's a whole new world for everybody. And um, so it was a really good learning experience for us to say what works, what didn't work, how do we make sure that our employees are feeling safe, our customers are feeling safe. And um, this week, we actually opened three of our coffee bars kind of permanently, Um, really limited hours, just trying to see, again, what is working and what's not, because we're in this brand new world. So it's really interesting that you have opened some some bars. Um, That's definitely, you know, obviously the, the alcohol providers that we sort of have spoken to recently, bar owners that are, haven't been there yet. So you have, a, I think, an even clearer picture than they might right now as to what operating in a post-COVID or COVID around world looks like. What does it look like in your in, in your terms with intelligentsia? What's it going to feel like when you go into the coffee shop for the first time? I'm assuming we're not going to see thousands of people sitting at tables with their laptops for five hours a day. Um, like we're normally used to seeing, but like, have you modeled that out and, and tried to understand what that experience will feel like for the consumer? And then can you sort of articulate that to us? Yeah. I mean, the way we're thinking about it, Adam, is kind of like a three phase opening. Um, the first is, is literally just to go right. And so at one of our locations in Chicago that, that opened today, um, you walk up to a window, you don't get to go inside, um, there's a piece of plexiglass that kind of provides that barrier between the, the person taking your order and the customer. And then okay. you move down to another window and you get your coffee. Um, so, so that's kind of phase one. I think one of the really interesting things that we've seen and, and maybe not that interesting if you really think about it, but um, we've, we've gone online ordering. And so our point of sale system allows us to place orders online and it feeds directly into our point of sale system. So in, in Boston, 70% of the tickets that we had last weekend were all placed online in Chicago today. We're at about 50%. Oh, interesting. And in LA, um, it was much, much lower, which I found fascinating to see these, these kind of variances across the city. But one thing is clear, like people, if there is a way to place an order through your phone or something else, I think customers are going to feel a lot safer doing that. So they're basically at the coffee shop. They place the order on their phone. So they never are exchanging 
a card with the person, the barista, and then they go down and pick it up. Is that how it's working? Yeah, that's exactly how Interesting. it's working. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that yeah. makes a lot of sense, actually. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's yeah. pretty amazing that you yeah. guys are able to do that. What, is, is this a proprietary payment software, or can you share which one you're working with in case uh, yeah. other owners who are listening to the podcast could think about it for their own places? We, we're using Toast. Um, so okay. Toast is our point of sale system. I've heard that Square has rolled out a, a really great one as well. So okay. those are the two that I know that are kind of out there and working really well. And how are you, Is it are there just signs when you walk into the coffee shop that sort of says like, please pay online, here's how you do it? Is it an app or do they just go to your website? Yeah, so so um, we've pushed all this messaging through social media, right? Okay. Like, um, and email blasts and everything like, hey, we want to see you. We'd love to see you. We miss you. Um, if you come, we'd love to, we'd love if you ordered online. Um, and so, um, that's where we pushed it. We have signs out the windows. So when people walk up, they understand that there is the option, um, to order online. And then at least toast has a, an order ahead app. And so if you wanted to order, if you wanted to download their app, you know, you can place your order through that. So it's either on a website like the intelligencycoffee.com or, um, through their app. That's really awesome. That's, yeah. I mean, I, that's really Cool to know that, that exists and that we probably will see much more of that uh, yeah. in the next few days, yeah. weeks. And so so that's kind of phase one. I mean, phase two, I think, is when people actually get to come into the coffee bar, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, I think we're all anxious to, to have people back in our spaces because it is one of the things that, that you know, when we build out a space to, to kind of elevate people's expectations about coffee, we, we tend to you know, spend a lot of money on the design and the materials and the choice to really make it feel special and different. And, and I, I think we, we love having customers in our spaces, but to your point earlier, it's not going to be, you know, people sitting at a table for five hours. I don't think at least initially, but, you know, getting people back in our coffee bars in a way that's safe. And um, again, people feel comfortable. And then I think phase three is really that it returns more to normal, but you know, my guess right now is that that even that kind of quote unquote normal is different because people are probably going to be sitting six feet apart. And, you know, it it may not be the case that you're going to meet friends for, for coffee or people are wearing masks or, you know, I think there's, there's stuff in the hospitality space, whether it's a restaurant or a coffee bar or a bar that is just going to change. And I think people are going to get used to it because I think we're fairly adaptive species. (laughs) Yeah, that makes, yeah, I mean, for sure, that makes a lot of sense. So another question for you, um, before we wrap it up, and this is one that's a little more philosophical, um, and a little more policy focused as well. Uh, and I'm just curious to get your thoughts. So obviously we know a lot of people are hurting because of what's happened. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk that a lot of these amazing coffee shops won't reopen and that, you know, there needs to be something done to support them or we're just going to wind up with, you know, a bunch of kind of bland places to get coffee and not those great, you know, third wave coffee shops we've kind of gotten to know. What should we be doing to support small business to to support the coffee shops? What can we be doing in terms of talking to our elected officials, et cetera, to ensure that when we do start to reopen, more of our favorite places can come back too? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And I, I think it's absolutely correct, whether it's cafes or restaurants or really any any kind of hospitality space. Um, I, I would give two recommendations. The first is today, everybody who's listening to the podcast can hopefully when these places reopen, make sure that they're going and supporting them because, you know, reopening a restaurant, a cafe, anything is really, really hard um, to get the uh, 
the staffing correct and the experience correct and everything else. But if customers aren't coming, then then this all is going to die very, very quickly. So, right. you know, go and support your local restaurants, cafes and everything else and be patient um, because we're trying to figure this out just like everybody else. Um, and then I think the second thing is just more of a, a macro government sort of support program. I have a lot of issues with the way that these programs have been rolled out so far, these COVID programs, the PPP, the small business loan program and everything else. And really they're not, they haven't been, I think they were well-intentioned, but the actual um, policies behind them don't really support where we are. And I'll give you one example, the the Paycheck Protection, Protection Program. Um, as soon as you get it, you have eight weeks to hire everyone back and reopen. Well, in a lot of cities today, that's not possible because right. they're stay-at-home orders and we're not allowed. So for a lot of companies to take advantage of the PPP, they, they can't. They, they literally can't take advantage of the loan forgiveness. And that is one simple thing that can be fixed that is going to have a monumental impact on the, the likelihood of small businesses surviving or not. If they have longer time, more than eight weeks to get their payroll back to where it was, then a, it's a great program that's going to work, but they have to fix that one thing. Right. Um, and so that's that's one example of something that's very simple that should be fixed. That's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've heard that a lot, that there's good intentions out there, but that there's just some lack of thinking in terms of how they, we actually implement some of these things um, and how it really does impact the businesses and allow them to take advantage of it and continue to stay open. Well, James, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully the next time we talk, we'll be in much better circumstances and all the cafes will be open and buzzing again um, and we can meet over an espresso or cappuccino. Um, I would love that. Until then, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.